0: Hey, what's good my amazing friends? This is Sarah Amazing Grace and you are listening to The Remedy. Hey you guys, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Hey, oh my gosh, you guys guess what? I did it. I did it. I did it. Woo-hoo! I want to hear the cheering. Yay! Guess what? <laughs> I ran the race. I did it. Yay! And I actually finished. Well, you guys uh, I finished in less time than I thought I would and um, I just want to thank my friend Bo who man chatted with me the whole time and we just had we had a great time. Uh, the The course was super cute in uh, Fredericksburg, Texas. If you've never been to Fredericksburg, it is so cute. The town is adorable. Anyway, super fun little houses and stuff all through the streets that we ran and Um, well, I won't say ran, we, uh, race walked or wogged if you want (laughs) walk, jog kind of thing anyway. Um, but we finished, uh, we did it, uh, faster than what we thought we did. And, uh, we pushed ourselves a little bit, but also, uh, just had a great time and I got the t-shirt and I got the medal you guys. And it's so cute as a VW bus on it. And, um, it says uh wonder lust on it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, okay, I can hear you guys cheering. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am. Um, I'm so excited that uh, it's done. And um, also that I finished. And uh, I just had to share that with you guys. But anyway, the cool thing is that I uh, like all of like the fears, you know, like, Oh, my gosh, what if I trip or, you know, my injuries, what if my injuries crop up and I'm not able to complete this race. I mean, (laughs) I was like, what if I can't complete it? I know, I know for some of you, a 5k is not that big of a deal. But it's a big deal to me. (laughs) If you've listened to the last few podcasts, you'll know I've been talking about this coming up, because it's something that's like, Oh, my gosh, weighing on me, I can't believe I signed up for this stupid thing. And anyway, (laughs) I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad and I felt like, just one foot in front of the other, and the next thing I knew, we were done. And then I thought, oh, that's it, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a podcast about, you know, one foot in front of the other and, and uh, you know, how that pertains to, you know, some, some life situation. But then I kind of got a lightning bolt about the race. And, you know, of course, in the last few uh, podcasts, and I thought, well, maybe this podcast It'll just continue in that race series about finishing well and and all this kind of stuff. But you guys, during the race, I had yet another reminder of a very special but very, very hard time in my life. And if you've followed this podcast at all, if you've listened to my episodes, if you've heard me speak at speaking engagements, you may have heard me reference a car accident that I was in. Many years ago, I was in, uh, I was 19 years old, and I was in a very serious, very serious car accident. I was actually sitting at a stoplight, and I was rerended by a guy who was delivering pizzas. And back in those days, there was this uh, campaign by a certain pizza chain who will remain nameless. Um, but anyway, they had this campaign that in 30 minutes or less, if your pizza wasn't delivered, it was free. And so there was actually some encouragement of the drivers in certain locations, uh, some encouragement for the drivers to even break driving laws and that they would pay tickets, um, of the drivers so that they would get the pizza there because the campaign was bad and, um, many people were injured and I happen to be one of those people who were injured during that campaign, where a certain location uh, of this pizza joint um, encouraged their drivers to drive up on sidewalks and go around things and slam on the gas. And I was sitting at a stoplight and I was branded at a very, very high rate of speed. They're not even exactly sure how fast he was going because his car needled out, I think at 110 miles an hour. And by the time he slammed into me, slammed into me so hard that the needle of his speedometer actually broke and slammed into like the plastic of the speedometer inside. So they estimate the impact was anywhere between 65 and 95 miles an hour of how hard he hit me. And I uh, sustained some very serious injuries. I had um, a broken neck. I tore uh, muscles in my uh, muscle away from my shoulder. My uh, pelvis actually had uh, came apart in two uh, areas, and I had to wear a brace around my pelvis just to be able to walk or my legs would go numb. And I had physical therapy for years to learn to walk again. Um, some, some very big stuff happened. I had a lot of years of physical therapy. And I thought for sure that I was going to be Disabled for the rest of my life, so this happened to me when I was nineteen years old, and it was maybe three years of physical therapy before we went to trial with the company. Trials and things like that often don't happen um right away. It takes years and you have to be stable in your um, physical condition before they go to trial and it was a lot of years of physical therapy, as I said, just to learn to be able to walk properly again and I walked with forearm crutches, and I had a brace around my pelvis. And the doctors that I uh, saw the these experts in their field said that, you know, as you age, your body deteriorates, that's just kind of how things go. We don't live in incorruptible bodies, our bodies are totally corruptible. And so as you age, you uh, kind of deteriorate a little bit. And they said, listen, you're ambulatory right now, to a degree, but eventually you're going to be in a wheelchair. They predicted that within five years of that time frame of the accident, that I would be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And when you are in your early 20s, that is a hard pill to swallow. The career that you thought that you were going to be going for, everything that you thought that your life would be changes in the instant that they say that you're going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, and you're not going to be able to do this, that and the other XYZ. Well, fast forward to the trial. Um, We go to trial with this particular worldwide pizza chain. And me being a young gal in a small town, I won't go into details about the trial, because it was so traumatic. But Essentially, they had hired an attorney who was like, I don't know if you remember Johnny Cochran, but he was like the gold standard for attorneys of the day. Yes, they would muddy the water and they would do all of these things to sway a jury in in certain ways, even if it wasn't uh, truthful, necessarily, it didn't matter. And so um, I did not even get my medical bills paid from that, which I'm sure you're gasping what? How could that be possible? Right. That's exactly what we all thought. How could this even be possible? It was an absolute miscarriage of justice. And in fact, I worked for a court reporting agency at the time as an office manager. Um, and one of the most well known um, attorneys in the the valley where I lived, he came in for a deposition the week after my trial. And um, he says, Oh, gosh, you know, Sarah, I can't even believe, you know, your, your, your case is like the talk of all the attorneys. We even had like a roundtable discussion on some television show about your case. Like, man, everyone's like, I can't believe the outcome. Just mind blowing. No way. And I said to him, his name was Tom. I said, Tom, how is it possible? I was sitting at a stoplight. I had experts and physicians and, and physical therapists and all of these people. And they were testify. They testified that, I mean, I have x-rays and MRIs and all my years of physical therapy. How in the heck did this become the outcome? And he says, oh, oh, honey, you think that trials are won by the weight of the evidence? Oh, no. And this was a direct quote from him. He said, trials are won by the weight of the attorney's perjury. I mean, I'll never forget that as long as I live. That that's what he said. He said that they're won by how well an attorney lies, which which attorney is the best liar. That's the one who wins. Now, is that 100% true for every, you know, court case in the world? No. And I'm not saying that about every attorney. But (laughs) um, that was true for what Tom said. And it was true in in my instance, in my case, at any rate. And so, what was so devastating was that here I was walking with forearm crutches. Um what people didn't see is that I wore a brace around my pelvis every day just to be able to hold my um pelvis together and my um the nerve endings from not being crushed as the as the bones moved. And so what was so devastating was that I had been told I would be in a wheelchair that the career that I was going for and schooling for and practicing would no longer be an option and i didn't know what my future would look like my my future was not so bright i had to wear shades in fact my future didn't look like much of a future at all that i could see and and i was absolutely a christian i was saved i had surrendered my life to the lord when i was 17 and i was sure that that justice would be served you guys i was absolutely sure when i walked into that courtroom that everything was gonna be made right. And instead, what happened was what seemed like the absolute worst circumstance that I could possibly imagine. First of all, not only am I now saddled at 21 years old with hundred thousand dollars worth of medical bills, you guys, but but now I don't have a way to make a living and my body is going to be deteriorated. And what should have been my bank account set up to take care of me after what this person had done. Instead, I was left destitute. And so I remember the night of the trial like it was yesterday, even though it was more than 20 years ago. I remember laying in the bathtub and crying and crying and crying out to the Lord, crying to out to the Lord, like, uh, but I prayed. But I I prayed and I believed for sure that this would be what, that that, that God, you would take care of me. And and now what's going to happen? And you guys, the Lord spoke to me. Here I was in my early 20s, totally looking at a future that didn't look like anything that I thought it was, bawling my eyes out, feeling absolutely hopeless. And the Lord said, Sarah, you don't need them to take care of you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I will take care of you according to my riches and glory, not their riches. And he promised me that he would take care of me for the rest of my life. And here I was, somebody who couldn't even get up out of my bed and put my feet on the ground without putting a brace on to hold my bones together. I had a dream, and the dream was that I was jogging. And, you know, I I know that I've talked about the fact that I'm not a runner, and I have tried, though, all throughout my life to be this runner, and I had this dream, and in the dream, it was so real, you guys, and I was running in my dream, and the next morning I woke up, and the Lord told me to put my feet on the ground, and I put my feet on the ground, and I stood up without my brace, and I put my shoes on, and I went out my front door and went and... You know, while I wasn't you know Flash Gordon, I went out and did two and a half miles. You guys, that hadn't happened, and from that moment on, the Lord has sustained my body, and here I am now in my forties, and I'm still not in a wheelchair because the Lord has sustained me, even in times where I didn't think um financially how am I going to make certain ends meet? The Lord has been faithful, and those ends have been met and Careers and my body, and all of this stuff, the Lord has absolutely taken care of me. So, as I was walking this race, race walking with my friend Bo, I was reminded of all of those years ago, laying in that bathtub and the Lord's promise to me, and thinking, Here I am 20 plus years later, and (laughs) I'm able to do this race, you guys. I'm able to do this and get the t shirt and the medal and all of the things that came along with it because of because of God. And it wasn't me putting one foot in front of the other, which is what I thought that the podcast was going to be, but it was about the faithfulness of God, how real He is, how the impossible. These doctors, they were right. These doctors were right. According to my scans and the situation, the what seemed like absolutes about my body they weren't lying what they were saying was what science had had brought them to but we serve a god <laughs> that takes the impossible and makes it possible and so while i thought this podcast was going to be about putting one foot in front of the other instead you guys i want you to know that god is real and that his promises are true not just the promises in the Bible, but that when you're walking with the Lord, spiritually speaking, and putting one foot in front of the other, putting your faith into action, that the Lord is with you, and He He speaks to you, and He leads you, and He guides you, and He does things in your life that are unexplainable. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. And, you know, why in the world? This is such a mystery to me. And, you know, not just to me, uh, but but to, you know, anyone who stops and thinks, like, why in the world would the God of heaven and earth of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob you know, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, why, you know, we live on, you know, an ant-sized planet, we are micro dust on an ant-sized planet, you know, in in a universe inside of, you know, a multiverse inside of infinity? Why would he even care about me? But even King David had this same thought. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, it is not an original thought by Sarah. Even, you know, in Psalms one forty four three says, Oh, Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them? Mere mortals that you would even think about them. I mean, I know that some of you listening, You know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that why would God regard us, but that in your life, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God isn't some fairy tale. You know, he's not just some like, you know, sky daddy, you know, made up fairy tale, as some people say. No, without a shadow of a doubt, I know that it wasn't me who somehow, you know, thought myself strong enough to get out of bed. You guys, I was devastated, devastated. I mean, if I could have curled up in that bed and died, I probably would. I probably would have. But that wasn't that. But God, you know, but God, God had other plans. You guys, I don't understand it all. But what I can tell you is that I believe what Jesus said in Luke chapter twelve, four through 7, Jesus says, Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't do any more to you after that, but I tell you whom to fear, and that's to fear God. He has the power to take your life and also then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear, and by fear, it means to have reverence for. It's not to be afraid, oh my gosh, shaking in your boots. No, it's to have reverence for who he is, that he has the power to completely wipe not just you off the face of the earth but blot you out for in in eternity but he doesn't why jesus says what is the price of five sparrows he he he's speaking to the crowd and he says what is the price of five sparrows and you know they're like oh sparrows are cheap right two copper coins yet jesus says god doesn't forget a single one of them jesus goes on to say that the very hairs on your head God knows the number. You're so important to him that he knows the number of hairs on your head. Jesus says, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than an entire flock of sparrows. So not only does God know the sparrows, I mean, sparrows, who cares? That's a sparrow. You know, they're cheap. They're only two copper coins. No big deal, right? But God regards them. Why? I don't know. I, I don't have the answer to that, but I know that he's real and I know that he cares about the sparrows. And oh my gosh, does he care about you? He loves you so much. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything that's going on. He knew me in that bathtub, crying my eyes out, not knowing what my future looked like. And he said, I do. I created you, Sarah, and I know. Your life from the womb where I knit you together, and someday through the tomb and into eternity. I know you, Sarah, and I know that your life, I've called you to something. You can't see it yet. I know you can't, but trust me. And you guys, that's what he's saying to you. I don't know what you're facing, but I know that someone listening to me right now is facing an uncertain diagnosis. I know that you've gotten a call about your parents or Maybe your child or your job, your life, your future is about to look very different than what you think it should look. That you are facing the loss of the way of life that you had pictured, and it's about to look a whole lot different. You can't see the whole picture, but God does. He sees the whole picture, including what's happening right now. He knows that somewhere down the road, what you're facing right now is all part of that big picture and that we are more than one moment in time. You guys, had I had control of my life and stopped my life back in that bathtub when I was so hopeless, I wouldn't be talking to you today about (laughs) this stupid little 5K, but that reminded me how much God loves me. And I wouldn't be here telling you God loves you more than you can even fathom. You love I know you love someone so much. Do you love them enough to know every hair on their head? Do you know that number? No, not because you don't love that person, but because you don't know everything about their life and all of the intricacies far and away more than we can even comprehend. But God knows that about you. Isn't that amazing? It's mind-blowing. It's mind-boggling, actually. And this is the God who isn't bound by the possible. He isn't bound by what that doctor who is speaking from a scientific perspective with the scans and the absolutes of this is what's going to happen. Is that doctor right? Maybe. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that, that the doctor is right. It doesn't mean that the doctor is not Right. And even if the doctor is right, it doesn't mean that that's not part of the plan. You don't know what the future holds, but God does. And you guys, I want to encourage you to trust the Lord. He is the God of the impossible. He's the God of the girl who should have been in a wheelchair, but I'm not. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 27, what is impossible for people is possible with God. That's what Jesus said. Does that mean that you're going to be lifted from your wheelchair? I mean, maybe or maybe not. Your story, your calling might need that wheelchair to accomplish your tasks, or it might not. It might be like mine where I was lifted from my wheelchair, but I've been left with some reminders of that accident all these years. Some days I have hard times where I am in pain and I feel the effects. Of what happened all those years ago. Was the healing in the Bible, were they totally complete, where they never had to think about it ever again? Maybe. For me, my healing, my miracle that I received, it was complete enough for me to live out the calling that God had called upon my life, placed upon my life. Sometimes I'm in pain. Sometimes my legs go numb. And these are the fears that I had before doing this race. But for me, I know that if God had completely and totally taken away every blot or stain from that accident, I may not have ever had to speak of it again. I may not have ever said, hey, you know what? I was healed. Instead, I probably would have said something like, maybe it wasn't as bad as what I thought it was, and I got better, and those doctors were just wrong. But instead, I'm reminded of how far I've come. And only by an absolute miracle, I don't have the answers for your situation that you're facing. All I know is that I can say from absolute experience in my life that these impossible situations, when you allow God to move in them, He uses them in radical ways to reach impossible places. I know without a doubt that I am forever grateful for the things that I have been through. It wasn't easy. It's not an easy road. It's not a fairy godmother coming along at all. But I'm reminded of Romans 8:28 that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. That doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. It means that it's worked together for the good. And so, here I am running this silly race. And today, you guys, I get the privilege of telling you Again, the same story that I've told for more than 20 years, because I was reminded again of this glorious miracle that was given to me. And I encourage you that if you're facing the impossible to cry out to the Lord and let him move in your life, let him use it for the good, that if you are laying in your bathtub crying out to God, know that he hears you. He has a plan for you. Receive it, believe it. He will use you in mighty ways, He will use you in impossible ways. Through this, He will use you. And your life may not, in fact, your life won't be anything how you pictured it to be. But I promise you that it'll be exactly what you were called for. And someday you will know why. And I promise you it will be right. But for now, I love you guys. But more importantly, know this, that God loves you for real, real, real. Believe that. And until next week, peace. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe. New shows coming at you each week. If you have a question or a comment, send them to asksaragrace at gmail.com. Catch you on the flip side.